Hi, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Be- I'm Becca Anderson. And I'm Katie Anderson. <laughs> and this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 21, entitled Superstition, which was a song originally sung by Stevie Wonder. Original air date, March 19th, 2006, written by James D. Perriott and Shonda Rhimes. She's back again. Directed by Trisha? Yeah. Yes. Brock. 21.13 million viewers, which is down from last week. Kelly's scaring everyone away. Yeah. So true. Follow-up? First, just before the follow-up, fun fact. This is the episode where Addison debuts her scrub cap. Prior to this, Addison had been wearing the standard Navy attending scrub cap. But now she's officially... A part of the show, which she's That's been a part of the show. Part of the show is mm-hmm. your scrub cap. Well, when they're at like attendings, they get like specialized little scrub caps. Yeah, like Derek has the ferry boat one. Mm. Whatever. All right, let's do follow up. Do you have any? Oh well, one thing I was going to mention is it has been. It was brought to our attention that we have been saying that I guess medical school was eight years. And what we meant to that was is you're in school for eight years when you want to be a doctor because you have the four years of undergrad and four years of medical school. So just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening out there. Yeah, and we kind of buried the lead. We have a guest with us today, uh, Becca's sister, which I feel like we've mentioned before. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. All the siblings are on this podcast. Yeah, I think we've mentioned her because she is a psychology major, which means that we might we did. finally get a diagnosis on Meredith. We might be able to diagnose Instead our of, little monster. We won't have to just be like, Meredith's a monster. We'll be like, well, actually, she was diagnosed. No, just kidding. <laughs> I want, I want by the end of this, I want you to diagnose her. Anyway, follow up. Uh, the Cali Tally. I, we started it last week. Basically, it's Every single time Callie does something annoying on screen, instead of me saying over and over and over again, oh, she's being annoying in this this instance, instead you're just going to hear this sound effect. <coughs> All right. Also, follow-up, we I kind of forgot to mention this. We've been like seeing a ton of hope for the Addison-Derek relationship mm-hmm. as of lately, and so I feel like... We should talk about that just a little bit. Just put it out there. I think that they're trying to show that Addison and Derek can be this great couple. But it doesn't necessarily mean that Derek should be with Addison. Um, Just because two people are, like, good for each other doesn't mean that they actually like each other. And your feelings can change. Exactly. No, but see, at the end of um, 217, Shonda Rhimes originally, at the end of the bomb episode, originally wanted Derek to just come in and kiss Meredith. And she decided not to do that because there would have been, like, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. You know what I mean? And so, like, I totally agree with that. I feel like Meredith has to go through all the George crap. Derek has to see that Addison is not Satan, you know? Before basically like forgive Addison, but yeah, of. I think he does forgive her before he gets back with Meredith, which kind of gives it more of a realistic feel than rather than yeah the over dramatized romantic like oh they ended up together. Opening statement, go for it. So the biggest 
thing that I think I have wanted to mention with this episode is I feel like this episode is really the beginning of the end. This is the episode that starts kind of like driving us towards the season finale. That's what I meant by the end. Because really we had uh, 18, 19, and 20 were kind of, I don't want to say like filler episodes. They weren't filler. They but were like, just... Almost like a lull in the show. I don't even know if that's what you would call it. But 21, I feel like, is the start of, is kind of the start of bringing everything to the season finale. Thanks. Would you like to have any statement? Do you have any brief opening statement before I take it away? (laughs) Or just kind of like what you thought of the episode as a whole? I thought it was kind of fascinating how they intertwined like everybody's superstitions. Mm Mm-hmm. Well written. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We did have a very good theme. Something that has been missing from the past few episodes. (laughs) And we know Becca loves a good theme. (laughs) Becca loves her a good theme. Mama loves a good theme. Uh, So my opening statement, you know, there's so many things I could possibly say about this episode, but instead I'm just going to say Catherine Marie Heigl. Shocker. Takes it away. Like she, oh my God, she eats all the scenery throughout this entire episode and it's amazing. She eats it? Yeah. And that could literally be my whole opening statement. I think we also need to point out the fact that someone finally basically shoves George into a corner and is like, bro, do you know how immature you're being? And like finally gives him a piece of like his own medicine. Thank God for Alex because we've been complaining about little self-loathing George. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Alex in this episode. You like him? Yes. In this episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they've been building this up since literally the pilot, and it's so nice to finally see the characterization of Izzy Stevens pay off, and it pays off, because Katherine Heigl can do anything. Can you read the italic part, Katie? Mm -hmm. (laughs) My college campus has a magic statue. It's a long-standing tradition for students to rub its nose for good luck. My freshman roommate really believed in the statue's power and insisted on visiting it to rub its nose before every exam. Studying might have been a better idea. She flunked out her sophomore year. The fact is, we all have little superstitious things we do. If it's not believing in magic statues, it's avoiding sidewalk cracks or always putting our left shoe on first. Knock on wood. Step on a crack, break your mother's back. The last thing we want to do is offend the gods. Also, can we just picture Meredith, like, in her monster form with this poor girl who's, like, flunking out of college? <laughs> this dumb bitch. <laughs> and Meredith is just probably like, ugh. If you were a gray, you'd be... <laughs> don't piss off the gods. And by that, I mean me. So, You Don't Know Me by Greenskeepers starts playing. Greenskeepers, man. <laughs> They're all over this season. And we open with various shots of scrub rooms in ORs where all of our main doctors, being Addison, Burke, Derek, Bailey, are doing like these superstitious routines. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about them. Addison puts her wedding rings on that massive bobby pin. Where did she huge? Where do you even find that? And then she's like, got it right here, baby. Like she pats her boob a little bit. I honestly feel like half of that is just she doesn't want someone else to steal them. Like or get accidentally like pushed down like the drain or something in the scrub room. No, I know why she does it. But I mean, I know vets that just put it in there. Like, because I worked at the vet hospital, they would just put it in their pocket. Like, you know, the scrub (laughs) tops have pockets on them, so you don't really need a I'm sorry, but the way you're just like, I know vets. (laughs) 
Burke has a lucky scrub cap, and he always cracks his neck too before. Yeah, he, which is kind of gross. His eyes and cracks his neck. Yeah, he's like, mm, feel the cracks. Well, I feel like if you just stared creepishly at someone while <laughs> yeah. cracking your neck, they'd be like, what the hell? Well, that would be more of like the intimidation. You know what I mean? Like it would be like. Where his, I think, is to relieve, like, any tension or yeah. stress. There yeah. is so much tension. I'm holding too much tension in my shoulders. Well, I would feel like you would be if you're about to, like... Derek says, it's a beautiful day to save lives. Let's have some fun. Which I have to mention. There's absolutely nothing on this MRI, but we're going to take him into surgery. <laughs> I th- found it fascinating, too, later in the episode. He says, it's a beautiful afternoon. Yeah, and sometimes he says night. That's, so he, that's that's a little scary. You he gotta keeps keep the same. If you want to be superstitious like that. Yeah, Derek. Come on. <laughs> He's like, shit. Derek can't even do superstitions right. <laughs> Bailey does something. She closes her eyes and says a prayer or something. Yeah, she just kind of like closes her eyes. Almost like, it looks like she kind of took like a deep breath too. Yeah. A little bit. Sure. <clears throat> and I think Derek also turns on music when he... I did not catch that. If he does that, I didn't catch that at all. I caught it this during the second surgery he was doing. Hmm. And remember in the Christmas episode, he did have them play Christmas music. Yeah, that's because Izzy was like, play Christmas music. <laughs> I can sometimes go a little overboard. <laughs> so Meredith gets to call the time of death, which you know she loves this. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I really love the fact that they had like all the doctors be like, time of death, time of death. Time. And then Meredith is the one that finally calls it. Yeah. Because, you know, she's the author of our, all our pain. She's the murderer of everything. Our guide into the afterlife. Yeah. She's also just, like, the god of the show, so. Very true. She's our dark queen. She gets to end people when she doesn't like them. Our dark lord. So, we cut over to the intern locker room. They're doing better with the locker room, I must say. At least this is the same locker room. I think they all have new lockers. Again. How many times do you watch the episodes? How many times have I watched this episode? I would say it's in the 30s. Maybe this 40s. is like my second time watching this episode. <laughs> yeah. I think this is my second or third. No, third. I've definitely rewatched this. So then we have this cool little dialogue between some of the interns. And I like how they're talking about the people in the hospital. And they're like, no, like the one with the unibrow? No, the one no, with the teeth No, we, gotta, we gotta do this. When okay. Izzy's just like, so I talked to the morgue guy this morning. And Meredith just automatically is like, the one with the unibrow? No, the one with the teeth thing going on. <laughs> Such disgrace. And then Christina. Well, okay then, since dead tooth morgue guy says so. Which, I want to meet dead tooth morgue guy. I want to meet him. I'm sure he's great. He's the morgue guy. He knows things about death. Thanks, Izzy. And just the fact that this dialogue even exists, and it's so nonchalantly, uh, this is my favorite TV show ever. Oh, but what we kind of skipped over the important part. Fatalities come in threes and sevens. And since four Four already happened this morning, there should be three more in the four midnight. Before midnight. Yeah. And then George, you know, in his complete immaturity, like, Meredith is like, oh, here, like, you George, you, dro- you dropped this. And he's just like, ugh. Yeah. Like, People are literally running away from Meredith now. Our little mini supernova. I would have just taken what, I think, she, what did she pick up? It looked like something knitted, like a yeah, hat or hat. something. Like, I would have thrown it in the trash. Like, fine, you don't want it. <laughs> That's how she deals with problems. <laughs> and then, okay, here's, here's my question. Well, also, Meredith is like, Derek says I should apologize. She's, like, throwing it in all their faces. She's just like, he's my friend, right? And all of them are like, oh, my God, Meredith. Who cares? And then Alex is like, 
to Izzy, this line confuses me. Did you sneak out last night? I was like, what? After everything that went that happened last episode where he was like a complete jerk to her, she went home with this guy? Apparently. I mean, the fact that he even asked that question was stupid in the first place because obviously if he didn't see her leave, she snuck out. <laughs> like, like so why? It, why did you even ask that question? There's no point in that. And like... I like her answer. I couldn't sleep. Like, no, I mean. I still can't believe she went home with this asshole. My question, I was like, are we to assume, like, has there been a lot of time between last episode and now? Or is this a possible theory? I want to say it's theory. You think everything's a theory. (laughs) No, this goes into the broader theory. Of what? Okay, so the big theory is that this whole show is being told by Meredith to her kids in a nursing home. So that's what the opening and closing speeches are, is dialogue that she's saying to her kids. And so she's telling the story. But since she has Alzheimer's, she's an unreliable narrator. So that's why when things like get sensationalized or confused... Or like don't match up. Or don't match up for some weird reason. It happens so much more in the later seasons. I think it's fun to just watch it and be like, oh, that's because her mind is going to the Alzheimer's. In reality, I know that's not true. There's no way it's that planned out. The writers just suck later in the show. But I think it's fun to watch it that way. I think it makes it fun. Mm-hmm. I, is this like a desperate attempt to get over Denny? Because she knows that she shouldn't be falling for Denny? I don't know. Because, ew, you need to grow out of this, Izzy. She he does not deserve you, mm-hmm. as per usual. Maybe she just needed a pick-me-up. Ugh, not from him. <laughs> So then Addison uh, gives Meredith some hot cocoa, which is juju, which should be the word of this podcast. (laughs) Addison is so, like, I love how she's, like, bringing her little, like, things, like, from New York. And she's like, I'm going to get people to like me. And so here's my juju, guys. And, like, uh, she's so cute. You should just like Addison because she's the queen of the earth. And I also like how she's trying to bond with Meredith. Like, last episode, we had the whole thing of, like... Meredith asked Derek, like, does Addison know we're friends? And he completely ignored her and was like, no. And now we have the, like, now Addison is trying to be friends with Meredith because obviously somewhere along the line, Derek told her. And so I like that. That's really big of her. Like, my God, that she's putting up with this. Also, I just love these little quirks about, like, this is such a good storyline and it's so simple. The juju? Yes. Oh. It's such a good I idea. She was talking about the whole. I was like, uh, this isn't a simple plot. No, no, this yeah. juju thing. It's so simple. And I'm gonna say my line that I always say: everyday life can be interesting. And then I like Derek. You jujued Meredith, which is a line that Patrick Dempsey got to say on national television. You jujued. You jujued Meredith. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then okay, I'll be Addison. What are we not being friends with Meredith anymore? No, no, we are. Meredith and I are friends. And you and I are married, so then by proxy, Meredith and I are friends. That's very big of you. (laughs) And then he's just like, you don't have to do that. And I'm just like, oh my god, Derek. He wants his cake and he wants to eat it too. Mm -hmm. He wants a threesome. Very true also. He's like, can this be an orgy? (laughs) (laughs) Or at least he wants to be married to Addison, but then also just have Meredith as his 
like side hoe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith is like, I'm nobody's side hoe, bitch. I am the god. No, but like Meredith was his fresh start from Addison, and so like they Addison and Derek have really done nothing to solve their marital issues. <laughs> they just moved across the country and are still doing the same thing. So it it makes sense that he's still drawn to Meredith because in reality nothing has changed. Yeah. No, she's just there with him now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which probably would make it, I would think, even worse. Is this the way he should handle it? No. But he's also human. Mm-hmm. So you can't really... And he's a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not him and his, it up right there. Him and his little man pain bridge. <laughs> oh, just, just you wait. I also think it's funny that after, you know, Addison goes all, to all that trouble to give Meredith the cup of juju she just throws it away yeah (laughs) she's just like like, denied savage yeah watch your damn hot go-go but would juju from your ex-boyfriend's wife be good would it give you good luck i said she'd probably like take a sip and just start like choking (laughs) it would be like cyanide you're like goodbye meredith i mean but that's also being superstitious on our part well, I think it's also being superstitious on Meredith's part. Like, she, like, kind of looks at it and is like, oh, no. Like, I don't want that. Yeah, like, she's like, ugh. I'm but bored. I mean, aren't there some times where you just don't want to drink something? Like, she might not have been in a hot cocoa mood. Yeah, I always want hot cocoa. Ew. Even on a hot summer day? Ugh, no, but this is the Seattle, so it's probably raining. Just because it's raining doesn't mean it's cold. I like my juju, okay? You juju, don't juju, even juju, call juju. it juju. Juju, 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 juju. <laughs> you don't have OCD, so don't start. <laughs> <laughs> so Burke's uh, scrub caps have been misplaced, and he is so worried about it, you know. I like how he says there are ten of them. He's got ten scrub caps. And why do you put them all in the laundry at the same time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, just like, all ten of them are dirty. Like, maybe I, I guess maybe he had a rough week. A lot of surgeries or something. <laughs> he had a rough week. His head was really sweaty. <laughs> but also, too, like, I'm pretty sure most hospitals have, like, laundry. a laundry room. Well, they would, because, like, I was saying, like, for, like, the linens and stuff for, like, hospital beds. So unless he, like, sent them out to get dry cleaned, like... <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't shock me at all. They need to be on. Like, okay, but then also, too, if you paid all that money to send them out, like, obviously, you need to do a better job researching the place you send your... Yeah, Such come on, Burke. We have sacred no scrub caps too. Yeah, and so then the blonde nurse that dumped all that uh, drink into Christina's lap in like season two, episode fifteen, is erasing the surgical board. And like we've said before, the surgical board is kind of like a guide to tell you how well the hospital is running. Because if like we've had quiet board, we've had crowded board, we've had people erasing things from the surgical board, and so. Yeah, not running smoothly. So then we cut down to the ER, and as Christina says, it's dead quiet. Which, good God, Christina. Come on. And George is like, you said the Q word. And then Catherine Heigl says this, and this is the only thing that I think (laughs) Catherine Heigl has ever done to disgust me. She says, it's like saying Macbeth in the theater, and I wanted to die. I was like, that's disgusting. You need to never say theater Theater. ever again. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting when she says, like, the quiet thing, because, I mean, you know, really, you think about it, the last time we heard the word quiet was in 216 when the bo- chief called the board quiet, and that was when, you know, Meredith almost got blown up. Mm-hmm. So, damn you, Christina. 
I feel like she did it on purpose to get all these cases. <laughs> She's like, I mean, it is Christina. So then we get three patients all at once. Well, and Denny, too. Denny's already there. He's already a So patient. we get the Ollie, we get Denny, they get called off, and then we get the two that come in. Mm, true. So we get four. And Christina says, can anyone spell coincidence? Which is actually a pretty hard word to spell. So after the title card, we are in the ER, and um, I'm just going to pose this theory right now. I want you all to watch this episode as if Christina and Meredith's patients don't exist, because it actually works. Like, just rewatch this episode and pretend that they're figments of their imagination. It is insane. Like if like if Meredith was any more neurotic than she already is, she would be Nikki. Yes, and if she was more superstitious too. True. Mm-hmm. All right. So how do you feel about Nikki here? Anybody have any opinions? She sounds like a dodo bird, but well, she's crazy. She's like like in what world is like a tree being struck by lightning and falling on you the same as? I was struck by lightning. A tree didn't even fall on her. A branch. No, no. She fell out of the tree. I know, but then, but here initially she says a branch or limb. Unless you don't walk into a hospital going, I was sitting in a tree watching, stalking my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. Which brings brings up another point. If you don't walk into the hospital saying that because then people are going to be like, oh. Call the psych ward. Skirt. Yeah. And they don't, then they probably wouldn't, you know, analyze, like, what's wrong with her, like. Well, they would, because, you know, she had all those bruises and stuff. But did they see that at first? Is Kevin. Okay, we need to do this at the end. We need to figure out what what her life is at the end. Because by the end of this episode, I want each of us to come up with a story to explain Nikki. Because they give us so many details so quick, like, all and, at once. And, well, and it, like, changes, because you get one story, and then, like, a couple scenes later, she'll change the story a little bit. Yes. I want to so know what actually is happening. Because she's crazy. Yeah. And or because she's a figment of Meredith's imagination. Just imagine that, guys. It's she's awesome. just, like, talking to a hospital bed, and everyone's like, what's wrong with Meredith And today? everyone's like... <laughs> She's finally lost it. Gray is finally cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I need an MRI for my patient. There's no one there. <laughs> just go with it. There's no one on the gurney. What are we doing? Yeah, they're just wheeling around with the gurney. I'm bored. Anyway, um, so then the the chief, George comes up to the chief, and he's just like, so there's this woman to see you. And he's like, huh? And George like, she says she's known you for about 20 years. And the chief is like, hmm. Not ringing a bell. Also, too, I don't like her name, Olive. Like, can you not name your child after a, I don't even know, a disgusting, <laughs> is it a vegetable? What is it? They're just salty, nasty little balls of yuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she is. And that's what I just immediately thought of when I saw the name Olive and heard the name Olive. But she has blonde hair, so... It's a species of small tree in the family of... An olive? I'm not even going to ask. An olive... Well, it's an olive tree. Do you think there's anything to to the name olive, like an olive branch? Do you think there's anything there? Am I reaching too far? I feel like that would be way too in-depth for any screenwriter. The olive's fruit. Oh, it's a fruit? Man, that's one nasty fruit. I'd eat a tomato before I'd eat an olive. It's 
tomatoes are fruits too. I'm aware. Tomatoes I are said good. That. Tomatoes are delicious. All right. So now that we've um, totally sidetracked, determined that <laughs> we're going to cut over to Denny's room where Alex and Izzy are in there, and Alex again is page Doctor Cockblock because that's his whole role in this entire. Story I think line. it's good. I think it needs to happen. We have somebody taking the other side of this. Becca and I are a little bit in love with Denny. And by a little bit, we mean that we're head over heels in love with Denny. And so it's a little bit tough. And like, I get, I think what Katie's saying is, like, it needs to happen in the sense of, like, obviously Izzy will eventually go overboard with this whole thing, which, you know. She already has. I can sometimes go a little overboard. Oh, yeah. And so I think, like, it's, like, someone needs to get in the middle of this. But I think Alex is just going about it the wrong way. Like, he's using his jealousy to get into the middle of it. Because he's a little boy. The thing is, is that somebody, if this was happening in real life, somebody needs to stop it. Yes. Yes. But it's not. And it's a TV show. And so because it's a TV show, I can't help but root for Izzy to go extreme. You know what I mean? That's what makes it fun. Like, that's what makes it a good TV show. I'm like, yes, Izzy, destroy things. Like, that's what I want to see. Drama. She's breaking so many HIPAA violations. That's what I want, though. Like, that's what you want. It's a drama television show. You don't want what would actually happen in reality. But he's not even that cute. I love Danny. Mm. He's a sweetheart. He's yummy. Don't get me wrong, but he also looks like he's about, like, 40 years older than yes, she is. Yes, he looks older than she does. And that's he just is. uncomfortable. But he's, is like, it, 37, and she's, like, But is it also half because of all the toll, like, oh, his boy. heart and stuff has taken on him? Yeah. But it's also like, I feel like too, Alex is also doing a lot of this stuff because he knows that Denny isn't going to be there for long. Or he like... He suspects. He suspects that. Which I mean, it's fair. Like, if you need, like, if your heart's not good, like, you know. No, but see, like, lines like this, which means seven or eight when you're not trying to impress your doctor. I'm like, Alex, the more you act like this, the less Izzy likes you. It's like, it does not... Well, and it's also, like, counteracting something inappropriate, like her, like, falling in love with a patient with something else, like, by saying something that's also inappropriate to say in front of a patient isn't helping. Yeah, (laughs) like, he's not helping. He's just being a little whiny, like, little bitch about this. But I mean, if you watch, when you watch it, like, when Denny says, like, huh, five or six, like... It looks like he is stretching it. Like, he doesn't want to be like, oh. I'm in so much pain. Oh, yeah. So, like, at the same time, it's like, is Alex pointing out the fact that, like, maybe he's in a lot more pain than he wants to lead on, which would be an important thing to know mm-hmm. as a doctor. I doubt that's why Alex said that. Well, I'm just I'm just being the devil's advocate. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think Alex said that to be. You mean Meredith's advocate? So anyway, See, I think if he was doing it for that, he would have said something to Burke and been like, hey, I think he's covering up the amount of pain he's in because he likes Izzy and mm-hmm. that's causing a problem. Whereas he brings it up here because he's trying to be like a dickwad. <laughs> well, see, okay, the thing with Alex and Izzy is that I always got the, uh, the impression that they were not like exclusive when they were just, like, sleeping with each other in, like, season 2, episode 17 and, yeah. like, 18. I always got the idea that they were just, like, I think we talk about that casually sleeping together. And then, like, all of a sudden, when she shows interest in somebody else, then suddenly he doesn't want to be casual anymore. Well, you know that's how a lot of guys usually are <sighs> in those type of relationships. So if we cut over now to Meredith and Christina in the elevator, and they're by themselves because their patients don't exist. 
And just watch this scene like their patients aren't there. But like treat Nikki and Jesse as almost like their psyches. Yeah, it's it's ingenious. And Meredith goes, I got hot chocolated. The she shepherd hot chocolated me. Also, that sounds like a dog. Like yeah. the she shepherd. Also, I think that's the first time they ever mentioned she shepherd on this show because they bring that up later. Like oh, really? she shepherd, yeah. And then Christina, I don't like people that say juju. I say juju. And then Meredith as Nikki or whatever. Or Nikki as Meredith says, I say juju. And then Jesse, juju, 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 juju. I was like, this is so Grey's Anatomy. And threes. Yeah. I didn't drink it. It's like, of course not, Meredith. And then her psyche, Nikki, tells her that it's okay by saying, you're not obligated to honor someone else's juju. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, do I have to be friends with her too? And then her psyche says, definitely not. And then Chris, and then Meredith goes, I'll call psych for you. Because they both have imaginary patients. That's why. <laughs> because they're both just wheeling empty gurneys around the <laughs> Yes. Oh, here we go, Kelly. Good lord. <laughs> All right. So then we cut over to our first scene with Callie. And let me actually tell you, Callie, like, as much as we shit on her all the time, she doesn't annoy me in this episode. Well, okay, the last scene a little bit annoys me, which we'll get to that later. But, like, overall in this episode, she doesn't annoy me. Granted, she's not really in this episode very much, which... Just how I like her. (laughs) Probably the reason. But... Yeah, and she's like, you missed the boat, George. Hot girl gives you your number. You're supposed to call. And I'm like, shut up, Callie. It's like... I mean, but that's true. Also, the fact that she's talking about personal details of her relationship in front of a patient means that she's meant to work at this hospital. And she'll shit on that later, too. She'll just be like, I can't believe that Meredith came up to me and asked me about something personal at work. Like, that that's a different... Where she calls herself a hot chick in front of... Yeah, I I know. I'm like, wow, so you think you're hot? It's like, which first off with that hair? No. Nobody can be hot with that hair because it looks like there's a dead rodent on your head. Her hair, her hair is pretty bad in the it's early disgusting. seasons. Yeah, can't do it. I mean, I can't say much. My hair looks terrible every day, so. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> so then, like, so what does it mean, though, if Callie and George are working on Meredith's psyche? Meredith's imaginary patient. Yes. It means your theory doesn't really line up. I think it does line up because I think George is having trouble getting over Meredith. It's he's always she's always in the back of his head. I think Meredith's the unattainable goal that Joel that Joel George has. Well because he knows he can't get already. I understand that. But he's not won her heart. Mm-hmm. Which is the ultimate goal. And he's not over her, which is important too. Because he's like a lost little puppy dog. Mm-hmm what he reminded me of the whole episode following people around being like can i help you so we finally get now nikki admits that she was up in the tree when the lightning hits and then she fell and my question was she just gonna drop out of the tree when her boyfriend walked by and be like oh hey there hey what's up i dropped in wanted to see you i do i do like the face that callie does when she goes do you think i'm weird and then she's just like no Sara Ramirez or whatever her name is it's great it's like a great facial and then Meredith's like smile is so fake it's also super creepy it's like you're so weird honey (laughs) and that's coming from me I'm Meredith (laughs) wait you are me no my boyfriend he wasn't even home I really shouldn't have gotten out of bed and it's like why are they putting in all these details? Like, there's got to be a reason why because there's so many... Because it's showing how, like, messed up she kind of sounds bipolar, honestly. Because staying in bed all day, that's a very big sign of depression. Mm-hmm. It's, like, one of the 
know, I don't know, seven signs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that she won drove what did she say like over an hour to get to his house yeah she'll say that later yeah and the fact that too then she climbs up a tree is making up all of this stuff about some psycho dog which you don't think the dog exists she's probably the psycho one i mean the dog could exist but i don't think the reason she climbed up the freaking tree was because there was a dog in the yard like you can tell if there's a dog in the yard a lot of different ways like just walking by the fence they would bark at you and you'd know if the dog also, was like there. how high is this fence like normal fences we need more details God damn. like and she says too i had to see if his psycho dog was in the yard because of like the barking and stuff well um newsflash if you hear barking coming from the yard that that's a pretty good you know indicator of a also, dog wouldn't she not matter? Like, if the dog barked and she was there, then her boyfriend would just be like, oh, hey, like, she's here. Cool. She doesn't want him to know that she was there. Exactly. She doesn't want to wake him up. Because she's creepishly sitting in his tree looking through his bedroom window. Can you imagine if Meredith climbed up a tree and was just, like, staring through the the window of the shit trailer in the well, woods? Well, first off, it's a shit trailer, so she wouldn't need to climb a tree to look in That's the window. True. She could just stand. She could but just, like, climb a bush. need to climb a tree? It's probably not. Okay. <laughs> Well, pretty much any house you could like stand like right outside and just stare well, in. But like, that would go to second floor. Yeah, second floor, man. Come on. Well, I was envisioning it as like a one-story house, but hmm. I got second floor. Me too. Interesting. What to see him in his bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's great. That's why she climbed the tree. She wants it. Or else she would have just looked in the window. <laughs> yeah. And then too, she—it's in a thunderstorm. Like. She had bad judgment. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, Which, so does Meredith, interestingly so enough. So true. Can we just talk about Eric? Well, come on. How many people <laughs> in the world have bad judgment? Freaking Eric. Anyway, so Christina and Burke. This is hilarious. Burke goes, laundry lost my caps. I'm sorry. I meant to say, laundry lost my caps. And Christina says, the guy didn't die because you weren't wearing one of your caps. And um, Eskimo Man and that dog. With the red stripes are oh, both yeah. in the scene on the nurse's station counter. Yeah. Y'all watch this show way too much. I only see it in the screenshots that she gets. <laughs> anyway. And Burke goes, I know, I just prefer to operate wearing my own. It's a comfort thing. And then Christina's like, well, I prefer having George out of our apartment, so I guess we both have comfort things. Sandra O, oh, that was brilliant. Like, the way she delivered that line was freaking hilarious. And then I feel Burke, like what? she's the best character. Really? Oh. She's your favorite? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, one, anybody who can deliver all the lines she delivers mm-hmm. without breaking character. I mean, I'm, she might have taken a lot of takes, but the fact that she can say half those lines without smirking, like, and to just, like, some of it doesn't even, like, her facial expressions match what she's saying. And it's almost like you can feel that, like, she yeah. feels like she is Christina. Sandra Oh does a really good Sandra job. Sandra Oh is unbelievably good at acting. Because if you ever watch an interview with her, she is so far from Christina. It's not, like, it's like, if you could find a person that's a polar opposite of Christina, it would be Sandra Oh. And she's able to pull this off. And she's like, uh, I have one of your caps in my locker. Uh, that's not the point. The point is... I think I'm going to keep it hostage. So you kick Bambi out and you get the cat back. And then Burke goes, I do not do well with ultimatums. And Christina goes, maybe you should think of it more as a trade. <laughs> and I 
die every time I see that. Also, I thought it was really funny that we finally got to see, like, a little, like, girly side of Christina. The fact that she took something mm. of a guy's, like... Yeah, that's it does true. not seem like something she would do. Like, mm-hmm. I stole your cap. Like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Although, when you... When you hear her explanation for it, it's still very surgery drip. Like, let's she does, does but, it for a very Christina reason, but it's still like, what does she actually, or is that just the reason she says? I she, I believe her when she says it. I don't know, but I think it's like that was like the reason that like in her mind she was like, I'm gonna take this because, but it's also still like you're still taking, but why something his? of your boyfriend's? Yeah, because it's a it's a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, but if it was just a surgery thing. Well, I mean, like, she's not going to, like, go, like, steal Derek's. Like, how is she going to get Derek's? You know what I mean? It's, like, a thing. Does that... he send his out to get drunk? <laughs> no, she He's... stole it from his house. From his house. Oh. They live together. I know that. Okay. So, <laughs> then George is like, Dr. Burke, I've got free time. <laughs> Lost little puppy. Yeah, exactly. And then Burke is like, Christina has something of mine, and I need you to get it back. Which is, like, emasculating him. You know what I mean? This is the second episode where we've had an attending or, like, an uh, older surgeon give an intern kind of, like, a mundane or, like, not, like, last episode had Christina babysitting Bailey's son, and now we have George basically, like, stalking Christina around the hospital trying to get Burke's scrub cat. Flashback to when George was a surgical sponge. So, Catalyst Acoustic Version by Anna Nalik is playing over this scene, and... The chief goes and visits Ollie's room. Native American bird drawing in the background. Then you get this line where she goes, six months sober, she's already on her ninth step. And then you're like, whoa, Ollie's a sober coach. Yeah. You know? And then, or she goes, I haven't seen you at a meeting in a while. And you're like, whoa, the chief is an alcoholic. So that's a big drop there. This is, we're learning so much mm-hmm. about the chief right now. She goes, how have you been? And here we go. This, we get so much information. And I freaking love any time we get information about Ellis Gray. So then the chief goes, Ellis Gray's daughter is working at the hospital. Ellis is in a nursing home with Alzheimer's. I try to see her every chance I get. You're having an affair with the woman who drove you to your alcoholic bottom? Ollie, we're not having an affair. She's sick. You're lying to your wife? I'm not lying. You're lying by omission. You're having an emotional affair, and now you're lying to your sponsor about it? You haven't been my sponsor in years. I still have the right to bust your ass if I see you slipping. I'm not slipping. Not yet, but you're making a pretty big mess. How many years you have now? Just past 17. I'm proud of you, and I'm scared too. Yeah. And, like, okay, let's unload this. Here we go. So let's start with the chief is Derek. As we've said so many times, these generational parallels... And Ellis is Meredith. So when she goes, you're having an emotional affair, is exactly what Derek is doing right now. Mm-hmm. He is having an emotional affair with Meredith and lying by omission to Addison and to himself. Oh, yeah. Can we be Derek's sponsor? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he would jump off his man pain bridge if we were his sponsor. <laughs> Oh, God. Into Testosterone Creek, as Elliot would say. (laughs) And Ollie's just like, you're slipping. (laughs) And then the chief goes, I'm not slipping. Derek is slipping. Falling off Man Pain Bridge. (laughs) He's almost falling off Man Pain Bridge right into Meredith. 
And so here's the timeline. This is the timeline from what we know right now about Ellis and the Chief. Took me a long time to put this together. The Chief and Ellis meet in Seattle Grace in like the 1980s. They have an affair for years, during which Meredith is born, I think. So or maybe she was already born and then they started having the affair. I don't know. It's it's blurry. Yeah. They make a plan to leave their spouses to be with each other. Ellis tells Thatcher that she's leaving him slash tells him to leave. And he does. But the chief can't bring himself to leave Adele. Ellis moves with five-year-old Meredith across the country to Boston where she does her fellowship. The chief does his fellowship at Seattle Grace and apparently falls into his alcoholic bottom about 17 to 20 years ago. So that's kind of interesting. And we do know that the chief was, quote, drunk for years. That's a season five thing, but whatever. And if Meredith is about 27 or 28 right now, that would make her like seven to 10 years old. Does that seem about it, right? Yeah. Timelines seem to match up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But like, holy crap, we get a ton of information in this one little conversation. Basically, the chief's relationship with Alice kind of triggered him to becoming an alcoholic, which you're like, it makes sense. Alice is horrible. (laughs) Yeah. I I still don't understand what people see in Alice and Mary. (laughs) Do they have magic vaginas? (laughs) I don't get it. Especially Ellis. Ellis is horrible. Yeah, she's a monster. She's a dragon. And, like, it's not even, like, Meredith, where, like, Meredith can kind of be, like, okay, like, I'll care about you a little bit. Meredith can charm the pants off. Exactly. Ellis is just, like, I hate everyone in this room. And everyone's, like, oh, we love her. And you're, like, what? And they're, like, isn't she great? And she's just, like, spewing, like, fire (laughs) from her mouth. But, like, why do you think he's so easily letting Ellis back into his life? Or is, like, Ollie says, like, having an emotional affair with her, like, is... Ellis almost like another addiction to the chief. She's my drug. <laughs> he love is my drug. Yeah. Kesha. Like, he knows she's not good for him, but he so easily falls back. Well, I mean, same thing with Derek. Okay, it's well, the yeah. exact same thing. He knows that he shouldn't, but he does it anyway because he's in love with her. Because he's addicted. I'm addicted to you, Meredith. And she's like, damn right you are. <laughs> and anyway, what I found interesting was over, uh, during that, um, whole scene the song lyrics are like some of them are like um drinking or pills for to fill up your soul drinking them down with cheap alcohol terrible mess that you're making i'm the catalyst right when they're talking about ellis i'm the catalyst and i was like damn interesting so then we cut over to this little scene of george kind of trying to bargain to get this is amazing the scrub gap. I think throughout the show, you actually do get to see what the inside of a lot of these interns' lockers looks like. And Christina's matches her apartment yes. because it's a mini <laughs> landfill in there. Yes. And the best part is like when Christina just goes, "No, clean up my crap," and George just like throws some of it on the floor and is like, "No," and he then doesn't shuts even shut it with his hand. He like elbows it shut. It's because he's the cool guy. He's like. Yeah, I'm cool. good for And that. Callie's like, that turned me on so much. And like, much. her underwear is like hanging out of the locker. <laughs> also, she has two pairs of underwear in her locker. Why? Yeah. Was the first one like a thong? Oh, it was like <laughs> string, it looked like. <laughs> so, Burke yeah. is like, hell yes. 
Also, there's a legit picture of a skull on one of these lockers. Why? These people, man. Doctors. Death. To be or not to be. (laughs) And then I love this. So we cut over to Meredith and Bailey talking about how Nikki's a stalker. And Meredith goes, I think she's more a more gentle stalker than a kill you with a knife stalker. Like, ooh. And it's like... She would know. Yeah, she would know because she's fake. But the fact that... um, Meredith is like, no, it's okay. She's a gentle stalker. I'm just gently stalking Derek. I'm like, this is so Meredith. I gently prey on them before I kill them. <laughs> yeah. I like to play with my food before I kill them. <laughs> That's so Meredith. That's so Raven. And then Bailey, well, let's hope she lives to gently stalk another day. <laughs> I love this this part when Meredith is like, hey, you don't believe in that seven fatality thing, do you? And Bailey's just like, what the hell? Go break the news. And then Meredith smiles. She's just like, I deserve that. (laughs) So then we cut over to Danny. Yes. Uh, So something that I haven't actually brought up and I keep forgetting to bring it up, but I'm just going to say this. Denny is a metaphor for Derek and Addison's marriage. Denny was introduced in season two, episode 13, and Derek finally admitted that he was in love with Meredith in season two, episode 13. So just keep that in mind. I can't say anymore. I will later, but keep that in mind. Which is interesting because I never really thought about it like that because we have Doc as the metaphor of Meredith Meredith and Derek. Yeah. So it's interesting. Relationship, but yeah. Yeah. So Denny goes, you like horses? That's your Denny voice. That was fantastic. <laughs> I need to start doing that for Denny. Oh my god, that would be amazing. You gotta like ruin it. Like all of his little sweet lines. You like horses. <laughs> <laughs> like good lord. I can only talk through a hole in my throat. Denny goes, you like horses, Izzy? Everybody mm-hmm. likes horses. Oh, that's not true. You know, horses are a great judge of character. You don't like horses means they don't like you. And what the hell? Everyone <laughs> just likes you. Like, can you imagine Meredith just like all of a sudden bursts through a horse? My horse loves me. Imagine <laughs> 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 a horse. And then Alex continues to be Doctor Cockblock and goes, "Yeah, my uncle like was a rodeo cowboy." Which what? <laughs> That came out of left field. He's just like, yeah, my uncle's a rodeo cowboy. And you're like, what? Danny, huh? No kidding. Which like Giddy up, yeehaw. Which, like, this whole conversation is so weird. Like, what is this? I feel like they just needed something. And so they were like, Danny's going to bring up horses. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, horses means they don't like you. And it's like, who the fuck cares if a horse likes me? (laughs) It's probably just so Burke can... Put it as two cents, but they. I was gonna say, I feel like the point of the scene was just the Burke line at the end, but they were like, we should have something else in there too. I also feel like the point of this scene though is to show that Izzy and Denny are kind of on the same wavelength. Wavelength, and Alex is like, I have an uncle that's a radio cowboy, and it's like nobody cares, Alex. And they're like, you're still here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're just like flirting. So cutting over to Christina with her imaginary patient and Twisted Mister. And guys, I'm, I hate to say this, but this is the last time we're going to see Twisted Mister for a very, very long time. So everybody cry. Unfortunately. It's too bad he didn't move in with Meredith in the first episode. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Meredith would have destroyed him. <laughs> he would have left in episode two. 
Yeah, no, so he would have diagnosed her. Maybe he's already diagnosed her. Whoa. Most likely. So if Jesse is actually fake, could Twisted Mister's dialogue be him trying to explain to Christina the problems that she has in a in like a way that like she will listen? You know, like playing along, just be like, Yeah, Jesse. I don't know. Dude, Twisted Mister's middle part is disgusting. I just, I don't get it. He also looks like one of those creepy, like, sex offenders. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you want some candy? <laughs> Cue Olivia Benson. Where are you? <laughs> Who, by the way, is good at rocking a middle part. Which is, it's like the middle parts are going at it. <laughs> I mean, I think he looks great. He does look I mean, like a sex the offender. the middle part isn't the worst part. It's the facial hair. Got yeah. bug eyes, then you got that creepy stash. Mm-hmm. And He's then like, the goatee. It's not a good goatee, though. Yeah, what his goatee is really saying is, I'm a pedophile. But speaking of creepy people staring, <laughs> George is just in the background, just like staring. And you know that the x-ray tech sitting in that room is like, what? But he's not just staring. He's like smushing his face. Yeah, so <laughs> what is the point of that? That's, like, that's so quirky. But like, that's one of the things that I, I like about early grays is how quirky it is. It always just do stuff But it also like is just like, he's like a little puppy dog. Like, like and I, I love like, Twisty ah! Mister. Is everything all right with a... Uh, that, that. <laughs> and Christina's just like Ugh. just was the last time she dealt with Twisted Mister the pregnant man I think it was I think when so. she stole his file oh my god oh good times so now we have a super brief scene between Meredith Derek and Addison which is just meant to show you that nobody wants Addison in this equation also Ellen's hair is looking downright amazing in this scene so like Meredith and Derek they walk up to each other and they're like Hey. Like, there's, like, they're, like, they're already, like, undressing each other with their eyes. And then Addison's like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? And Derek's like, nobody wants you in the And orchard. Derek and Meredith are like, about a cock block. Uh, yeah. yeah, really. Anyway. And then I love the, like, I have to, and then she just leaves. And then Derek is like, oh, yeah, I have to leave, too. And then Addison, yeah, I got something, too, so. <laughs> Addison is so naive to think that she could actually be friends with these two. Well, she's married to one of them. I know. And it's just so she just weird. has she just has so much hope in her marriage, and I think that she'll do anything. For that's Derek. that's I think that's she so thinks cute. that it'll win him over if she's also friends with Meredith. It and like, makes me sad. I know she's a good person. I know Addison's amazing, but I also love Meredith because she's just a, a terrible monster. person. Yeah. So yeah. cutting back to Ollie and Richard. Ew. Ugh. The chief. She needs a surgery um, that is soups complicated, and the chief has only done it successfully four out of nine times, so that's great odds. And she goes, she says this with, like, deadpan, like, just straight face, which is so funny to me. She's like, okay, perfect. I'll be your five out of ten. And I'm like, ugh. I think my soul just left my body. And I was like, wow, way to go, 50%. She's like, I got you sober. You better as hell get me through this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to come back over to crazy girl Nikki. Meredith. Who is refusing sur- surgery because of her horoscope. <laughs> <laughs> Classic so, Meredith, am I right? Like, um, good God. Also, anybody who reads their horoscope is just like, really? But then she's like, it was more than just my horoscope. I went out to my car this morning. Flat tire. That's a sign. But I changed the tire. Then there's a wreck on the freeway. Do I turn around and go home like it's telling me to? No. I detour an hour out of my way so that I can get to Kevin's house. Kevin. 
And when I get to Kevin's house, I get struck by lightning, which no, you didn't, and Mickey. Mer- and then Meredith goes, but you weren't struck by lightning. She says it just like that. Also, like, can we just, this woman, I'm sorry, this is not a gentle stalker, Meredith. She drove an hour, changed a flat tire on her car to go stalk this man. And Meredith is like, I don't think that we should call the police, because I'm lazy and I don't want to. Because she's me. God, she's she's weird. But I do like what the actress is doing here. Oh, yeah. I really like this patient. Every time I rewatch this episode, I actually enjoy this patient. She's funny. Like, there's some patients that are just annoying, but she's, like, she's annoying, right. but, like, in a way that I enjoy it. I don't know how to describe it. Whatever. And then Bailey goes... Um, poor girl's gonna kill herself trying not to die. And I was like, nailed it. <laughs> I love Bailey. She just says it like it is. We haven't had a good Bailey plot line in a while. But that's kind of like the point. Like, that's, that's what fair. I like about her. She's is that a kid. The, the point of Bailey isn't that, like, she should be the center of attention. She should work mm-hmm. to support the five I just like when they have a lot of Bailey scenes. And yeah. she's just being her snarky self. And I'm like, yes. I also love... Her and the chief scenes where he's like, what? And she's just like, you're an idiot, Richard. God. <laughs> so then we have Alex literally trying to scare Denny. Which again, I feel like in some weird twisted way, he's like, I'm doing what's right for Izzy and like doing this. But again, trying to counteract an inappropriate relationship with a patient by speaking to a patient inappropriately is not okay, it Alex. nothing. Yeah. And this is not going to win Izzy back. I wish he would just like be smarter. And all he he says, what I'm saying is Izzy likes you. And she's not going to be the one to pull away. Which, fair. It's, everything he says is true. It's just the way he says it and why he says it that I have a problem with. Yeah. And Denny's like, oh my god. Like, he comes to this hospital to get helped and then he gets like... Demolished. Shut down by like a bunch of people. So So then we cut over to the lunch scene and free by Luke... Doucette. Doucette starts playing. And Meredith and Christina are talking about their... Imaginary patients. Yeah, exactly. So how's your gurney travels been around the hospital? <laughs> How many people have asked you about your patient? <laughs> yeah, because this is like brain bleeding, needs surgery. Want to know why? Because he couldn't move his car until he stopped counting. And then Meredith is like, I can one-up you. I thought of this all myself. My girl, ruptured spleen, won't have surgery because of her horoscope. And then Christina goes, we should introduce them. They make a nice crazy couple. And I was like, Meredith and Christina OTP. So then George walks up, sits down, creeps out everyone. Per use. There's like tons of mayonnaise on his face. I was like, dude, lick your lips. That's <laughs> also, That's like, he just reminded me of a puppy dog again. And then Izzy yeah. walks up and goes, you guys, this whole death cluster thing is just ridiculous, right? She annoys me in the scene. I mean, just because four you? died today doesn't mm. necessarily mean there'll be three more before midnight. She's being so childish. Like, right, guys? She's That's scared. Izzy. That's Izzy, though. Grow up. So if I did something like that, like if I was like scared that somebody I cared about was going to die. She, Katie would slam her face into the table. <laughs> <laughs> Katie would... <laughs> Cowboy up. She's talking about a superstition. And she's asking for validation that it's not true. Every single one of these characters are so selfish. And that's why we kind of like them. Christine, it doesn't Tinkerbell? For reals? For reals? Yeah. Uh, So, I have to ask if this was like a production thing. Like, how many bags of chips do you think Catherine Heigl opened filming this scene? It might have been just one to get it that way. I love the choice that they kept that in because I don't think that would have been in the script. 
mm-hmm. that she's Just like doing like, something natural. Well, no, like not the fact Bust. that she opened. Yeah, it's the fact that she busts it, and you she can hulked it. You can clearly yeah. see that like her nerves are getting to her, and that the chips like went everywhere because she busts it open. I love that they kept that in because it makes it seem so realistic. And then Meredith says, "Are you worried about Denny?" And I want all of us to take a moment to actually appreciate that Meredith is asking about someone else. <laughs> Whoa. My patient is imaginary this episode, so I have time to think about you, Izzy. I have time to think about other people, which often never happens. In fact, this might be the first time in my entire life. Yeah. And so Izzy rambles on, and she's like, I'm sleeping with Alex. Um, but uh, did, did Burke say anything about Denny's surgery? And then Christina's like, I don't know why you'd care. You're sleeping with Alex, right? I don't know. I feel like everyone is picking up on this and nobody is saying anything. And I feel like this is just so realistic. Like, this is how something like this could happen. I feel like slowly they're picking over up, time. Like, I feel like they're picking up on the fact that she's close with him. But really, I think the only person that is, like, really grasping how, how serious this is is Alex. And he's just treating it like a jealous boyfriend. Yeah. Because, like, even Christina was just like, oh, like, you're just, you're sleeping with Alex, right? And Izzy's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And they're like, eh, whatever. Plus, these two are so enroped in their own lives that they couldn't even. It's so true. Yeah. But, like, this is kind of what I like. Because you are starting to realize how this could happen. Like, it could happen. You know? Like, people ignore signs. They ignore things like this. And then suddenly, it spins out of control. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, there were signs that things were not right here. And then they all get up and leave. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We get this little scene with Christina and Derek explaining the surgery to Jesse, OCD guy. Mm-hmm. How do you explain this in your theory? That Derek is talking to Christina about having Christina's, Christina's, <laughs> Christina's fake patient. I don't know. Maybe Christina walked up and was like, hypothetically, if somebody... <laughs> no, he pro- she probably was like, hey, Derek, I have this imaginary patient. And he was like, eh, I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs> Derek hardly ever does anything in this show. I love the reveal, though, of George standing, because the reveal is similar to a horror movie reveal. It, it was. That's what When he's just standing in the back. All you like, needed was, like, the lights to flicker, and then, like... No, you need that, that like... <laughs> no, like you know the that... really, like, subtle music that comes, and she moves, and, and then he's the like, violin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that horror movies are 90% scary because of the, the music. music. Yes. Most of the stuff is not, like, an if you issue. Li- if you listen to it, if you watch it on mute... It's just not as scary. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I also like how Jesse just does it. He's just like, yeah, okay, George's in the room, whatever. Yeah, I Like, know. I wonder how they explain that to him. Like, he just walks in behind Christina, and she's just like, he's trying to get a scrub cat for me. And he's like, okay. He's I don't think she, I don't think she has to explain it, because That's, Jesse hey, is her. stalking that must be a theme of the episode. Maybe. That and superstition. <clears throat> he goes, um, it's always the people that are most like me who judge me the most, which is, you know, part of my thing. You're type A, right? Straight A student, top of your class. And Christina's like, damn right I was. And so Jesse's like, you've managed to turn your compulsions into something productive. But we're cut from the same cloth. That's why you can't stand me. I love that concept. I don't know. It's interesting. Just that line is so interesting to me. It's like, sometimes the people that are the most like you are the ones that drive you insane. Yeah. That's why... I hate you. No. <laughs> 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 Plot twist. Plot twist. Yeah. We actually hate each other. Fun facts. Emily did think I hated her. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. 
For like a good year and a half, I thought Katie hated me. For like a good one. Never did. I'm mean to all the people I like, which is kind of counterintuitive. So then we get this cute little scene of them all like holding a little meeting. An AA meeting. Kind of looks like a seance, not gonna lie, minus the candles. I'm sorry, the fr- little, like, chant that they do, I was- It sounds I, like a religious group. Right? Like, At first I was like, is this gonna start being some, like, creepy, like, cult thing? Like, And also, the people in this room could be on a diversity ad. Like, yeah. I swear to God, you got all the ethnicities in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, I didn't even think about that. They were like, we want representation. We're all alcoholics. You just need Ellis to come and trigger it. (laughs) Ellis comes in, like, waving champagne. Oh my god, can you imagine? On Meredith's horse. On Meredith's horse. (laughs) If if Ellis rode in on a horse, I would die. I would literally just cease. It it would be something else. (laughs) I would cease to exist. So anyway, then there's the Denny scene where he, he goes, you know, my will, it's in my nightstand. I'm here, I'm thinking, does Denny have friends or family? We've never heard about them. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. Like, I mean, obviously he has a family. Like, he has to have a mom and a dad. Mm, he could but be an alien. They might not be alive. That's or fair. Or they might not be near enough that he has to keep his will on him. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's just interesting just because, like, Izzy theoretically has known him for, what, like, three weeks or something like yeah. that? Like, not long. And he's already... Trusting her with his will. Yeah, with his will. Yeah. Then he, and then he calls her Dr. Stevens. So yeah. He's, tr- he's like, I'm trusting you with probably my most valuable possession if I die. I think that's just him trying to separate himself from Izzy. But yeah, you're right. It's mixed signals. And then um, she goes, you can't go into surgery thinking you're going to die. And it's like, oh. That, that is so Izzy, because Izzy believes in that yeah. sort of thing. Well, and it also, sort of mentality. in a way, ties back to 212 mm-hmm. with that patient, and, like, Burke being, like, he, like, the kid in that episode got a new heart, actually, and Burke was, like, the heart's not defective or anything, the kid has to want the heart. Yeah. Kind of thing, like, you can't go into surgery wanting to die or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think that that's legit, like, there Which is interesting, because Denny is also Burke's patient. Yes. That's true. <laughs> So then we get this fantastic scene where George basically, like, gropes Christina in the girls' bathroom. (laughs) He, like, attacks her. Like, this is, like, assault. Like, speaking of Olivia Benson, like, this could literally be assault. And the best part is she just keeps saying, you're touching my breast. My breast! That's my breast! And then I love Callie just, like, exits and is, like, trying to wash her hands. And they're, like, awkwardly, like, getting in her way. And she's just, like... He's, like, literally, like, oh, basically just... humping her. Like, like, <laughs> like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, on top of her. And then all of a sudden, like, well, he's, like, on top of her. I guess he, like, looks over and he's, like, ooh, he does. No, I think George. they heard the sink. Oh, that's right. So the sink turns on. And then he, like. Plus she starts washing her hands. And then he, like, kind of gets off. He's, like, ooh, hey, Dr. Torres. And she's just, like, you do who's realize... the creep now? <laughs> well, still her. But, yeah. At least I... she goes into the right bathroom. That's true. And doesn't just randomly attack people. Not just attack, grope. Mount. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just just for all you people out there, file this away. Callie does wash her hands in this scene. So, anyway, we're moving on. George is running through the halls. And he, he like... Bumps into Izzy, and she's just like, "What the hell, man!" Like that's her face. It's so funny because she he like slams into her, and then and she like grabs onto him, and it's just like, and like basically, 
is he's just like, I have no idea why you've been stalking. Which is amazing. Like, she did not notice that he was sitting with Meredith at lunch because she was so involved in her own life. And she's just like, wait, you've been following Christina around? And he's like, what? What? Like, Why do you think I've been stalking her? And I just love how Izzy never even picked up on it. He's just like, whatever. And then we get this scene. Like, Izzy's face, this entire scene, is like, I'm about to go trailer park on this girl. Yeah. (laughs) This is how we do it at the trailer park. She all look like Tinkerbell no more. She also has a few inches on Sandra O. I never noticed that until this episode. Yeah. She definitely looks down on her. She looks down on her in more than one way. And I wonder almost if half of it, because I didn't think it was that dramatic, and I almost wonder... If they did, like, play that up a little bit, so she is kind of like... I mean, they are using a low-angle shot here. Mm-hmm. And then they use a high-angle shot. You know what I mean? Christina. Like, yeah, play it up to ha- really yeah. have her, like, looking down on Christina. They're, what room are they in? They're in, like, some sort no of idea. Like, weird library. Anyway, so Izzy goes, he needs it to operate. Which is interesting that she, like, also believes that. Because She's Izzy and Burke have a lot in common. Yes. When you think about it. And then... Christina, no, he doesn't, and I'll be Izzy. So then she goes, that's not your decision to make. Not when he's going in on Denny. Now, are you going to give it to him, or am I going to have to physically take it from you? Are you threatening me? I swear to God, Christina, I like you. I really do. But I grew up in a trailer park, and I am not a- I'm not above kicking your pampered little Beverly Hills ass. And I do mean physically kicking your ass. Oh, my God. That's pretty cool. I love her. I love her so much. I'm also super intrigued by the fact that christina doesn't notice izzy's overly attached in this scene like yes. she noticed it in the scene before a little bit you could tell because like she had the whole like but you're sleeping with alex right mm-hmm. but she doesn't notice, like izzy specifically says not when he's going in on denny i think it's just that one all these characters are so self-involved that they really just don't care about their their quote-unquote friends and two that I don't think anybody saw it coming that Izzy would take it that far. Yeah, that's fair. And we can't say anything more until we get there in the in the podcast. But I think that they're just like, look, it's just flirting. It's a classic Izzy thing to do. When Denny's fine, he'll leave and then she'll move on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It. I think that they're just like... they're. They're like, there's no way she'll actually do that, you know? Mm-hmm. There are so many references in this show that Izzy could physically destroy somebody, and I need to see that more than I need my next heartbeat. Oh. So now we've cut to the Man Pain Bridge, where Burke, Burke yeah. is sitting on it, mourning the loss of his scrub caps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. And the landscape outside of this uh, Man Pain Bridge changes over the course of this show many a times. Like, there'll be a mountain like randomly <laughs> in the background. Mount Meredith. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Mount Ellis or something. That sounds more like a mountain and, than. And Mount the chief is like, Meredith. I will summit this. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Really? <laughs> I will summit this. <laughs> so we Christina gives works his scrub cap. I love this speech, though. I love this speech. When she goes, you don't need it. I keep that cap in my locker because every morning I look at it and I'm reminded of why I'm here and what I want to be. A great surgeon. A surgeon who is decisive and who executes and who doesn't need a piece of clothing to give him an edge in surgery. You don't need it. Which, to that I would say then, why does she need his cap in her locker? Just some 
a symbol. I mean, Which it could be anything. It is to him, too, in surgery. I guess. But, I mean, she could have, like, taken one of his t-shirts, but, like... You know what I mean? Like, it's just a symbol. It's like he, she could have just had a picture of him and be like, that's what I want to be. <laughs> a black man. <laughs> she just has this picture of Burke and he's just like, <laughs> yeah. He's like goofy grin. He's like, duh. <laughs> like drooling. Anyway. And No, but what's interesting is she goes, you are who I want to be. You are like who I aspire to be, but who Burke is, is the kind of guy that wants the, who needs a surgical cap to, you know, feel comfortable in surgery. And then he does an unbelievable face, which will be on Twitter because, wow. He got a good screen cap. Yeah, he looks like maniac. (laughs) He's channeling Twisted Mister. And then, like, Nikki still won't have surgery and Meredith is just like, I called your boyfriend. He said he hasn't been your boyfriend in a while, which, I mean, neither has Derek. And then Nikki goes, did you tell him I got struck by lightning? No, because you didn't get struck by lightning. And Meredith's like, yeah, I didn't say that because that would have been a lie. Like, yeah, and because then she would have had to explain, oh, she was climbing the tree outside of your house. Yeah. <laughs> and that's which, creepy. Which begs the question, how did she get to the hospital in the first place if she fell out of a tree in his front yard? Who, who got a One of his call. neighbors. Kevin just, like, gets home from work. Like, if Meredith hadn't called him, and, like, Kevin just gets home from work, and his neighbor's just like, oh, yeah, like, a girl fell out, fell out of your tree this morning. BT dubs. <laughs> and he was just like, what? <laughs> but she could have had her cell phone, too, because she was conscious, so she could have called it in herself, like, and there's just, like, a charred leg. squirrel on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin's like, dinner. So we're going to do the hell out of this dialogue, and I'm going to be Izzy. So whoever wants to be Alex. I'm Alex. (laughs) Okay, Becca will be Alex, because I love this freaking dialogue. Katherine Heigl, take all of my money. This one time when my dad and I were watching this show, we watched this scene, and my dad turned to me with, like, wide eyes, and he was like, oh my god, she's amazing. Here we go. What did you say to him? Who? You know who. What the hell? Why does Denny think he's dying? Well, maybe because of that, there's a good chance he is. Just so we're clear, we're over, Alex. This is over. What? You're breaking up with me over a corpse? No. No. I am breaking up with you because on your very best day, that corpse is twice the man you will ever be. You're not good enough for me, Alex. You're not good enough for anyone. Damn. Damn, girl! That was way harsh, man. I'm like... Who needs some aloe for that burn? Yeah, my God. He needs to go to the burn unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was way harsh, but I kind of agree. I think that she was just being overly mean because Alex has been overly mean to Denny, who mm-hmm. is important to her, but also kind of true. Don't you agree? Yeah. Izzy and Alex's whole relationship was always kind of weird to me because I felt like at first Izzy was more into it than Alex was. Mm-hmm. Until Denny came to the hospital and Izzy started a friendship with him and was kind of like, okay, like, there's this guy who is 100% better and I, like, deserve better Mm -hmm. than Alex. And then it wasn't until then that Alex was like, no, wait, I'm totally into this, too. Yeah. And it... Can't have it both ways, Alex. It was because he, like... Alex wasn't into it until he realized that Izzy wasn't completely invested in him. I feel like it's... Almost, like, offended his, like, man. His ego, yeah. I feel like he just wanted somebody to, like, be obsessed with him and want him and, like, stroke his ego. And then as soon as Izzy's, like, 
I actually, I like Peace this guy. Out. I like this guy that treats me well and is really nice to me. Then he's like, wait, but who's going to stroke my ego? And I'm like, why don't you stroke it Because, like, if you notice at first, like, when Denny comes in, <laughs> they're more just, like, in that, like, friend, kind of like, okay. And then because Alex realizes that, then he starts being a jerk in all these situations, which I think just shoves Izzy more towards Denny. Exactly. The more he's a jerk, the more she runs to him. Yeah. And it's like, Alex, you're such an idiot. But then Burke comes into the scrub room with, like, this enormous goofy <laughs> smile. He's like, like, his smile is like... Like a little kid in a candy shop. Exactly. He's like, everything is coming up, Burke. And <laughs> he hits this wall of drama, of course. He's just like, you two are out, basically. But I just want to say once again that Catherine Heigl, oh my god... Like we I, know. we know you I, love her. I actually believe though that she's feeling those emotions. Like I swear to God, it's like she feels the emotions that her character feels, and that's why it's so believable. How to save a life by the fray starts playing. It's such a sad song. Which was a unknown song until Grey's Anatomy used it. So you're yeah. welcome, world. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So then we get like a couple <laughs> quick scenes of the different ORs of like just like in the beginning the people like of them starting the surgery you know it starts with Jesse and that's Derek's OR um and Derek says that it's a beautiful afternoon to save lives Mm -hmm. it's just a bunch of quick cutting basically just like how the episode started um so we have we have Jesse we have Ollie Mm -hmm. and we have then Nikki it cuts over Nikki eventually and then Denny obviously yeah well it cuts to Nikki because then it's She's bleeding out or whatever. And then Meredith lies to her, which is like... Which is interesting. Like, do you agree with Meredith lying to get her patient to go into surgery? Depends if you're talking about morally or ethically. Yeah, that that's true. Morally, I would have lied to her if I could have saved her life. Because who cares at that point? Ethically, she probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Okay. But it was kind of beside the point there at the end. Fair. Because then she, she dies. She's already gone. Yeah, basically. so we go we go into commercial, and when the show comes back, Gabriel and the Vagabond by Voy Vance is playing. Beautiful song. I love that song. It's so pretty. Great song title. Yeah. Another stellar one by Voy Vance. And uh, again, more cross-cutting, more cross-cutting. We have Izzy super nervous, like, standing in front of the OR board, mm-hmm. like we said. And then um, Alex just has... Has to be a little jealous, a little jerk. And, like, 20 says, Burke's guy went down due to walking time bomb. Like, like in front of Izzy. And I'm like, dude, you give him a shovel because he's ready to dig this hole. And also, I just have to mention that the female intern and the male intern, I feel like they have, like, extra people on staff just in case they need extra interns. These are the two that were talking about Meredith in front of her face in 207. I'm surprised they're still alive. Yeah, and so they make a bet, like... Oh, Alex, you suck. Yeah. So then we learn because Meredith walks up that um, Nikki died, mm-hmm. which meh, whatever. Five. But it's kind of interesting because Izzy's just like, "Do you know who else?" And Meredith stares at her for a couple seconds, and then Meredith goes, "No, I'm gonna go inform the family." Like that's how she says it. Like, it's like what family? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another weird thing. Is Kevin there? I'm going to go talk to my pretend gurney again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Meredith is like, well, my patient's dead. <laughs> Just like my insides. Because yeah, the only person she called was Kevin. My, <laughs> my imaginary patient died, so I have to go make up some family to tell them. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine Meredith just talking to a wall? And Devo's like, it's called Daphne. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a deep cut there. Um, 
So there's this disgusting Neanderthal man <laughs> with dreadlocks standing by the nurse's counter that, wow, gross. <laughs> He's got like highlighted blonde dreadlocks. Just imagine that for a second. I'm not gonna lie. First time I scrolled past it, I thought that was a woman. I think it might be. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's a man. Okay, it's a man. All right, whatever. Any sense of boobs? So then we learn that Ollie made it out safely. So she wasn't number six. So what you're supposed to be picking up on, though, because Jesse did die. Yeah. So what you're supposed to be that too, picking yeah. up on is Nikki was number five, Jesse was number six, and since Ollie lived, then Denny should be number seven. Yeah. However, they cut over to Izzy crying, which you're like, oh my god, Denny. And then his voice comes before you see his face. And I was like, good choice. And he is adorbs. His eyes are shining. And this is so cute. her eyes are sparkling because there's some tears in them. And she goes... She was blubbering. Um, there wasn't just some tears. It was cute. And she's a she's a good crier. Yeah, she Catherine Heigl She's not looks, ugly. She looks good. She when looks she cries. cute. And she was clearly like in that emotional like crying too. Like yeah. it wasn't like you know how sometimes like when they do like on the screen it's like the fake crying and yeah. you're like nobody cries that softly in that situation. Yeah. And then Ellen Pompeo in the later seasons, she's just like, watch this. Anyway, so Denny goes, "Why are you crying?" And Izzy, "I'm not crying." I love that. I love that line because it's like they're sassing each other, and he goes, "You are too." And she goes, I cannot fall for a patient. And Denny goes, oh. And at first I was like, they're cutting it off. And then he goes, classic Denny, he goes, good luck with that. And then she kisses him. First kiss. How does everyone feel about their first kiss? Chemistry? They're so cute. Yeah. Also, the actors, like the Catherine Heigl and what's his name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. Have so much chemistry together. It's insane. Like, yeah. just the way that they deliver all those lines. Like, even before the kiss, you were like, good God. You were like, set me on fire. I wanted to run through a wall and leave an Emily-sized hole in that wall because Catherine Heigl's the author of All My Happiness. He's like her father. No, he's not that old. You think he's that much older? That's what he looks like. I think he's he's also kind of half dead. So you know what? Not all of us can look great when we're half dead. I know. And I mean, obviously, Catherine Heigl just looks like a baby. She has, like, perfect skin, perfect hair. Like, yeah. Aww. She's so cute. Anyway. She is the foil to Callie's disgusting hair. Anyway. Now, the scene that we have all... We have been waiting for two straight episodes for somebody to tear George a new asshole. And Alex <laughs> is like, I'll do it. I volunteer as tribute. And we're all thankful. He took one for the team. Oh, thank God. I need to do this. Here we go. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, Mally, you are a sad excuse for a man. Excuse me? <laughs> I know you heard me. You're like a whiny little girl. Alex. You know why he's not speaking to you? Because he's not over you. Man, you got laid. It went badly. A man would move on. But you, you mope around this place like a dog that likes to get kicked. You make me sick. And if it wouldn't get me kicked out of the program, I'd smash your pathetic little face right into that locker. Damn. And I was like... Thank you, Alex. That was so satisfying. Me just reading those lines, it was so satisfying. But I felt like he was also talking to himself. Exactly. That's what makes it even better. Yeah. Ironic. And that he was talking to himself. He doesn't want to be George, but he feels that he is becoming it's, him. It's like he's trying to tell himself to move on and get over Izzy so that he won't be pathetic and all that stuff like George. Yeah. Because he's, like, Alex has always prided himself on being a man and like yes. all of that stuff 
And I think since Izzy started falling for Denny, he has been feeling pathetic himself. Well, he's his masculinity is in crisis. Exactly. Yeah. And so half of this was, like, basically telling himself, like, man up. Like, come on. Exactly. And he's, he's saying, like, I feel like he's like, if I say this in front of all of them, then they won't think that I'm being pathetic. Yeah. Because I said it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Great writing. Yeah. And then right after George just gets completely shit all over, <laughs> Christina decides to cut him some slack. Yeah. Don't say Christina never gave you anything, George, in season three. And then... He decides that he it's time for him to call Callie. And Lost little puppy dog. This scene would have been cute. Like, the idea <laughs> behind it is cute. Like, the you didn't call her, and then he calls her while he's standing it's right adorable. next to her. That's a cute, like, that's a cute scene. She just makes it creepy. However, exactly. However, it's also Callie, so that kind of counteracts that. Do you think, and like, I'm going to be 100% honest right now. I think Na- Alex nailed it when he said that George isn't over Meredith. Oh, so yeah. him calling her in this scene, I feel like he's just trying to use Callie to get over Meredith. And then oh, isn't 100%. actually interested. Like, he's like, I, like, I like watching you all this stuff. And it's like, no, you like the fact that she makes you, like, that she's helping you get over Meredith. Yes. Because Meredith is not interested in him, but Callie is. Yes. And so Callie is basically his rebound. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it's, a, like... It was a, a coincidence that they have this scene after Alex said all of right that after. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because George is just like he lost his I, man card. Exactly. He's and like, I do need a man up, Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, hmm, where's my rebound? Oh, she was obsessed with me for a while, and Kelly kind of looks at him. The look she gives him can probably only be described as, "I would like to lick all the sweat off his body." <laughs> it's really creepy. So then we cut over to Addison handing out more juju. Yeah. Because apparently we'll all need it. Mm-hmm. Which Meredith actually does take a sip out of this one. I love that. Because the, the closing speech says, don't diss the juju from wherever it may come. And I was like, take then, all my money. But then she throws it out. And but she's it's, like, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, you don't know how to make cocoa. Uh, <laughs> you burned the milk! <laughs> <laughs> Coffee donkey! It's not like how Addison just goes, here you go, babe. Yeah, that was kind of, like, amazing to me, where, like, Meredith is standing there, Addison walks up, and then, like, they just pan over, and Derek's standing right there. Like, he's, like, three (laughs) feet away from Meredith. Like, I don't know why that was so funny. He casually stalks her. And then they have this lingering look where Addison's walking away, but Derek is, like, looking back at Meredith, and they're making this intense eye contact. Meredith smiles again, and you kind of feel like, you know, a shiver goes down your spine because, holy crap, her smile is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't show any teeth, so it's yeah, like... Yeah, it is kind of weird. She kind of looks Let like me do, Joker. like, a Grinch smile. And then when she takes a sip of this juju, she literally... She's like, I'm bored. That's her face. It's kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Do you want to do the closing? Sure. Superstition lies in the space between what we can control and what we can't. Find a penny, pick it up, and all day long you'll have good luck. No one wants to pass up a chance for good luck. But does saying it 33 times really help? Is anyone really listening? And if no one's listening, why do we bother doing these strange things at all? We rely on superstitions just because we're smart enough to know we don't have all the answers. And that life works in mysterious ways. Don't diss the juju from wherever it comes. Mm-hmm. 
So, Katie, can you please diagnose Meredith, please? She's, like, very all over the place. She's a hard one to diagnose because I feel like she could basically be anything. She fits into society very well, I feel Which like. is very much like a sociopathic tendency. <laughs> yes, our little sociopath. That's so true. I think Meredith is Because a she molds into whatever people want her to be. So true. We've talked about this. Remember, we've talked about how, like, Meredith is all personality traits all and some once. of the best like sociopaths and mass murderers were like had the higher yes, iqs meredith this is so true straight from a psychology major's mouth meredith is a mass murderer sociopath <laughs> i'm not like a phd psychologist though so undergrad counts <laughs> counts or something right so, you took a class you're qualified <laughs> have you do you have any explanation for superstition like, why people do it? Behavior. Okay. It's all about, you know, like, operant conditioning and okay. reinforcement. So, when you do something and it ends up something positive happens, you're like, oh, I should try that again. You know, yeah. like, I wore my lucky socks and I got the best time or mm-hmm. we won the game or... So, maybe if I do it again, we'll win it again. But when it doesn't happen, that just brings up the... Oh, maybe next time. Mm. And it just... Like it was a fluke or something. Yeah, it's called an intermittent schedule of reinforcement because you're not reinforced for it every time. Mm. It keeps you guessing. It keeps you on your toes. keeps you coming back for more. But anyway, so what this episode basically has is that Derek is still conflicted. Addison is still trying so hard and it's just not working. Christina is showing some pity on George. Izzy is still spiraling in that first kiss, where at the same time you watch that first kiss and you're like, that's so cute. But at the same time, you have that gut feeling that something is wrong. Yeah, it's just like you're watching somebody start slipping, which is a line from Ollie, which is interesting. She's slipping down that slippery slope and you just are afraid because you love Izzy and you don't want her to fail. But you know that she will and she's destined to. What else? Because we all are. But, I mean, from season one, episode two, she's destined to have this happen to her eventually. Bailey, as you've said, has been kind of taking a back burner, and they're doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. They're doing that on purpose. I won't say anything else. And the chief was an alcoholic, is an alcoholic. Wow. So, a lot to be said. So, it wasn't, it was a really tough break between the chief and Ellis. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah, because he's not a bad human being. He's not. Shades of Grey, man. I mean, he he cheated on his wife for years, but he's still a great person. You know what I mean? She's actually crazy. Who? Ellis. So anyway, so what do you think Nikki's story was? Basically, she's stalking her ex-boyfriend. Got it. She climbs a tree. I think she climbed the tree to look into his bedroom window. The lightning struck the tree and she fell. Okay, here's my thing. Kevin and Nikki dated for a hot second. Then he realized that she's stone cold crazy and left her ass. Ever since then, she has been gently stalking him. And today he had some sort of test. I remember she mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's in college, grad school, med school, whatever. She climbs up this tree because he had to buy a guard dog to protect himself from her. Then, before she has time to do much more... Lightning strikes the tree. She falls out of it. How she got to the hospital, who knows? There might be a dead squirrel. Maybe he's Zeus and he purposely (laughs) struck the tree. Oh, it makes sense. She's Aries with lightning. Whoa. Seriously count is zero for this episode, sadly. (gasps) Seriously? So, patient rankings. 
Do we all have four? Yep. Yeah? Okay. My number four is Jesse. Same. Ah. All. Okay. Yeah, he was just kind of boring, boring, boring. Mm-hmm. He wasn't boring, but know. you know what I mean. He was like... He was imaginary. He was the back burner yeah. to all the other ones. Mm-hmm. They kind of took center stage. I feel like they just needed a number seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then they made Jesse. Number three is Nikki. Because, mm-hmm. well, like, I feel like she was kind of in the same boat as Jesse. She did bring more to Meredith's character, though, with the whole, like, just slightly stalking thing. And you're like, maybe Meredith's a stalker. And, like... I yeah, know. I feel like... Or, like, we, she also brought more to, like, Meredith's psyche and, like, some of those scenes. I feel like we were really reaching there, though. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, we were reaching. But, yeah, I I don't think Meredith grew a ton from her, though. But so. she's definitely a step above Jessie. But, I mean, How to Save a Life playing over her scene where they're trying to save her. Goosebumps every time. Yeah. Number two, I have Ollie. Same. Oh, okay. I would say so, yeah. I I, mean, I don't like Denny as much as you guys do, but I still think he was number one. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ollie's Ollie gave us so much information. About I would the say team. they're almost. Tied. I was gonna say this yeah. was this was hard because yeah. she gave us so much background on the chief. I feel like what won Denny over for me was that like just that scene between him and Izzy and the, well, they the finally dialogue. crossed the line. Yes, they finally crossed the line that they've been hinting at for yeah. episodes, but it's like. Whoa! Like she just kissed her patient. Yeah, like, like you're like now it, the line has like officially like officially been crossed. Yeah, which is a theme of this whole show: crossing lines. Mm-hmm. And Ollie, but she did give a ton of backstory information that will be critical to the entire show. That's fair. So yeah, I mean, it was hard. One and two. So do you have a Both make one change? I don't. I really liked this episode. I enjoyed this episode. I love rewatching. This is one of my biggest rewatch episodes. I like this episode and next episode. Oh my god, next episode. Hell yes. So in the Grey Matter blog for this, they said that um, TV Land Awards actually named Grey's Anatomy the future classic of 2006. Hmm. So that's it's critically acclaimed now. Yeah. Like there's no there's no skirt in that. I anymore. think it was the Super Bowl episode. It was probably the Super Bowl episode, but as I've said before, it's also bomb. Denny. The first episode. Denny took this show from here to here. So anyway. So next week we're talking about season two, episode twenty two, Name of the Game, which has hands down one of my favorite scenes of all time in this episode. Anyway. Written by Blythe Robe, directed by Seth Mann. So These are both new, both of them. Which is they did a fantastic job. Anyway, we'll talk yeah, about that next great. week. To get in touch with us, you can on Twitter at Grace Uncut. That's for the podcast. I'm at Hazard underscore Emily. Becca is at Anderson underscore Becca. Katie, do you have a plug or do you want to stay anonymous? I don't have a Twitter. All right. Uh, for longer questions or comments, you can go to <laughs> Grace Anatomy Uncut at Gmail Grey's Anatomy Uncut.home.blog is our website that you can leave a comment on the specific episode. And also, we're on iTunes, so you can rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, thanks for being with us, Katie. No problem. We'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye.